like every time you go to your favorite restaurant lately, they have a new menu? Not new items, but fewer items and higher prices. Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Zlanik. This week, we're going to talk a little weatherflation. I know it's not a word. Weather inflation, weather-related inflation, whatever you want to call it. But before we get there, as always, I hope your weather is treating you well. It's providing good life opportunities. Learning opportunities, maybe, too. Been dealing with a bit of a scorcher in my area last couple of days. It's been kind of crazy here in the U.S. Some strange weather west of me. So in the, the Denver, Colorado area, mountain area, they went from nice summer-like temperatures. Yeah, maybe you know some people thought it was a little too soon for that, to snowstorms. And I've done the reverse. I went from, I don't know, I think the high on a couple days ago was just in the range of upper 60s, lower 70s Fahrenheit, so around 20C, and then it went to mid-90s, so about 35C, all in like 24 hours. It was pretty wild. Uh, it went from, you know, kind of cloudy, even a little bit of rain, some fog, and then by that afternoon, hi, it was brutal. Been that way for a couple of days, but the good news is I'm expecting a front that's going to change all that, bring it back to a little more normal for this time of year. I mean, we are. We're almost at meteorological summer, right? I know everybody likes to think that summer's not until later in June, but you know, realistically, for most people in the mid-latitudes around the globe, eh, we're kind of there, right? So it wasn't, I guess I wasn't thrown off by the high temps. What I was thrown off by or wasn't, you know, just wasn't ready for it is how quickly it came about and how quickly it's going to go back. We had had kind of some warmer temps in the early spring, but it had been a little more seasonable for about the past month. But in any case, kind of comes with the territory. Gave me a chance to check out the air conditioning, make sure everything was working there. But also, I kind of felt bad for the city right now. Tourism's definitely returning in New York City area. And I don't think we're unique to that. You know, you're seeing it more everywhere. But anytime I go into the city, and I, I was there kind of in the middle of the week this week, actually later in the week, because the other thing that caught me was, you know, not only were there a lot of tourists, but there were a lot of people dressed up in robes. Well, I happened to be near NYU's, one of their campuses, and they have one of their colors is purple. So they had these graduation robes that were, it's just a very dominant color. You can kind of see it. And there was this guy really tall guy must be six and a half feet or more that my metrics not going to work and, and do that justice but um, in excess of a couple meters high so non-trivial pretty tall dude I guess I should check in exactly how much six and a half feet is in, in metric but uh, we can get there and not get lost at the same time but here he was wearing this big purple gown walking down the street and I was just thinking to myself, well, today it's going to be okay. I hope, I hope you don't have to wear that tomorrow because I knew how hot it was going to be. But it's the season. It's graduation season. And I was thinking back to, about, to my graduations. I don't know if you remember yours. But I've had, 
you know, I know that now there's graduation, all these different stages. We didn't have graduation from elementary school or middle school, and they seem to do those things now. I had it for high school, and my high school one grew up in the South in, in the U.S., right? So it was inside. That's what I remember about it. It was inside, and there was air conditioning. So I really didn't think about what was the temperature like outside. But the other two were a little different. One of them was definitely outside. So when I did my undergraduate degree, I was in the big stadium for graduation. And those temperatures were definitely, it wasn't hot, it wasn't necessarily cold, but I graduated, I was trying to think, it was in June, um, but you know, it was. it's very common when you have these gowns on for people to just wear shorts on underneath. I had, I remember, I found a picture not too long ago, I had a picture with a tie on, so I, I do think I had, I don't know, I may have still had a pair of shorts. But my master's graduation, it was back indoors. It was in an auditorium, or it was like in the basketball arena uh, at the school. But all of them, you know, I was thinking to the things going on, because, you know, a lot of times there's graduation parties and other things. I don't think that there was anything unusual. I don't think there was very distinctive weather. It wasn't like I had some big storm or that it was particularly hot. And given that all mine were between kind of June and August, I don't think any of them were particularly cold. But I'm curious, do you have recollection of having a bizarre, if you will, sort of graduation event because weather somehow influenced it? Let me know. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? You can also, of course, hit me up on Twitter, Mark underscore Jelonic, or what is it about the weather on Twitter? Any of those places will reach me, right? But it is certainly a time of, I don't know, it's great celebration, and it's good to see that back. I know that one of the things during COVID that parents, a lot of people were venting, right, about this loss of graduation ceremonies for the kids, whether it was high school or college. And I'm thinking back to myself, and I, and I, and I even thought about this at the time. I don't know that I cared all that much about the ceremony. I think I missed the farewell nature of it because it wasn't always at the ceremony itself but more likely at some party or gathering either before or after that's probably more meaningful than the the event so I, I I don't I don't think it was so much about the specific thing but you know kids lost that right or a lot of kids did and it, and it and it's a closure type event for a lot of people it's it's a step but it's like you know a lot of these people you may never see again now we live in a different age of course and and it's a little easier to keep in touch with people whether it's social media or text messages or whatever it is you know we have a lot more connection probably than we used to but that said you know some folks you may physically not see again for years or run into again so you know i, I can understand that loss for people but I, but i am curious if if whether somehow impacted or, or either made it better or made it more comical. It doesn't have to be all bad things, right? Weather can make things more interesting. It could be pleasant weather that was unanticipated. In any case, let me know. Be, be interested to hear about that. All right, let's, let's get on to our main topic. All right. And it's a topic that you don't have to go very far into the news cycle currently you can't go a day or two without hearing about it. And it's dealing with inflation. So here we are in this period of, and this is a global thing. It's it's not just something that I'm dealing with where I'm sitting, but there's astronomical amount of inflation going on for most areas around the globe. And it's hitting across the board in a lot of things, okay? It's hitting 
what we consider the very basic things like energy cost or rents and mortgages. So like housing, energy, those, those sort of fundamental things. Certainly hitting with food, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, I read a story the other day about a pizza place that is considering taking chicken wings off their menu because the prices keep going up and up and up. And chicken wings used to kind of be a low-cost thing, right, that got people in the door. Well, they're definitely not that anymore, okay? And it doesn't seem like it's going to go away immediately. Part of this is certainly COVID-related, and it's not just COVID supply chain issues. It's certainly COVID monetary policy as well. And I'm not going to expert on any of this stuff, and I'm not going to dive into all that. But when you have this kind of upset in the balance, right, of how things were running, it's not uncommon to have these sort of outcomes. So we find ourselves at this point watching prices for almost everything around us, just feel like they, they're they not stopping. And this can be whether you filled up your car with gas again, more of us are traveling again, more of us are going back to offices again, getting back in the car maybe a little bit more. But it can also be things like, I don't know, you go to the grocery store and you put stuff in your car almost at the grocery store today. Now, thankfully, it was a typo. It was four nectarines and the price rang up $26. Now, now that was because something got mistyped. But even still, after the thing was fixed, it was still like $5. And I can remember going to Costco and getting a thing of, of avocados and it used to be like $6 and now it's 11 And th- you know, th- we're not talking like going into Whole Foods or something. I'm talking about going to a place where I'm used to saving money or specifically go there to save money. And the other part of that is you go and you get something. This is something I've watched as well, which is something they call shrinkflation. This used to be a big thing with packaged foods. But you go to that same restaurant I kind of mentioned in the beginning, and maybe they haven't changed their prices, all right? But you notice you get a lot less. There was this seafood restaurant near me that I, and I watched it for the last couple of years that the order, and it was just something simple they had like this catfish basket that I would get. Right. And it used to be this huge piece of catfish and French fries just all shoved in there. It could barely fit in the to-go container. And now you can kind of rattle it around in the container and they've got these little catfish strips and a few French fries. And at first they did it at the same price. I mean, I understood what they were doing, but that's the whole thing, right? They, they took something that had been this gargantuan amount of stuff, and now it's virtually nothing. It's almost like became from a main course to an appetizer. So it, there's different ways that inflation can prevent it, present itself, right? And it really got me to thinking, okay, what, what role is weather playing in all this? Because we've talked about weather's connection with prices, and we've seen it before, okay? We talked about it, you know, just mainly with things like crop prices, okay, where it's a drought or it's a hot season or cold. I mean, you know, classic one, the the old movie was Trading Places, right, where it's about frozen orange juice futures, and it was talking about potential for freeze in Florida and it ruining, ruining the orange juice for the season. And these things are all, it's easy to relate because you can kind of go, okay, they had this weather event. That weather event's at a place that creates this certain thing, and that thing is going to change in price accordingly. And it, and it doesn't have to be inflation. It can be deflation because there's too much supply for the demand. 
And I started reading a couple articles. One of them had kind of crossed in front of me not too long ago and, and did a little more research, but it was, you know, something that kind of made it prominent in my head, I guess. But when I do research on stuff that's not what I would call like a research paper, I always like to look for multiple sources to make sure I'm really, you know, looking at things from different biases or perspectives. Because we all know we, we get presented news in from a certain organization or from a certain website. And it's always going to have their twist or their angle because you know, that may be what they're known for. It may be their political kind of positioning, whatever it might be. So I do try to kind of balance it out, make sure I'm not losing my mind. And there were a couple of things that hit me that were relevant from both uh, articles, and I'll, I'll put them both in the show notes. One was from The Atlantic and one was from The Wall Street Journal. And those two tend to be on slightly different ends of the spectrum, if you will. But they were talking about a lot of the same things. Now, the articles were written from a different mindset, and that's the thing. Each article had a different objective, but what I was looking for was something very different. It was this looking at these core examples. And there was something that hit me that was maybe something we really haven't talked about when we've discussed this issue before, and it's this idea of what I would call secondary inflation. And I'm going to walk through a few examples. A couple of them were very news prominent. Couple of them, or the one, the last one I'm going to hit is more from personal experience because it was one that I hadn't really thought about, but I lived right through it, and and we'll get to that one as well. But we're going to start with the one that happened a little over a year ago. It was a big deal here in the U.S. It was in the state of Texas, and there was this big freeze, right? And it immediately had this consequence for power prices. Now, those that don't know Texas, it works on a little different, more of a free enterprise electric system, if you will. And so you may have seen stories about these astronomical power bills that people got that were just trying to stay warm. And it talks, you know, some of those articles talked about why that happens. But there was also a lot of people that lost power, right? Now, Houston, for those that don't know, is kind of a hub for the oil industry in the United States. And so you're thinking about it from a power supply, you think about it from the surge in prices, and you start thinking about, okay, there was power loss. Okay, what does that translate into? Well, apparently one of the industries that it really had a major impact on, not surprisingly, was oil-related items. But what you sometimes forget about with oil-related means plastics. Okay, so there was this big surge from things as fundamental as plastic pipes, but also things like computer chips and all these other things that need the resins that come out of that process that go into plastic molds that create plastic products. And all of a sudden, there was this huge uptick in prices. So you got your choice, right? You either pay more or you don't get it. So. Part of it is if the power, if the plants aren't able to produce the power and or there's power outages at these manufacturing facilities, we have supply chain issues. But then in the trying to working back to get back to a normal supply, you're going to have these fluctuations in prices. So very unexpectedly, because this area is just not used to it, not only did you have the loss of power, but you could have had disruption in other supplies that weren't stored properly to deal with the freezing temperatures and that could have impacted the structure of them. So long and the short is all the plastics that were produced in that area went through some sort of problem with whether it was, you know, delivery on time or whether it was availability that spiked prices. 
Now, last year, we also had stories of wildfires, and there's definitely been in the western U.S. in the past few years because of dry temperatures and, and hotter temperatures, dry temperatures, dry weather and hotter temperatures have had a lot of increase in forest fires. And you think about it, and you can imagine the impact that has on a variety of things, including lumber prices, if it's in an area that produces lumber. Because a lot of places you get those forest fires aren't necessarily forested for wood. But some of them are. Okay, And so it's very easy for us to go in our mind, okay, if that was in a region, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, reaching it you know, from the U.S. and Canada when you have these fires, if the mills can't get wood to produce, to build homes, whatever it is, make furniture, it, it really doesn't matter. Anything that's got wood in it, all of a sudden, price is going to go up okay? because there's a supply issue. But what happens at the same time, when you have a forest fire in these regions, fires tend to destabilize the environment, not just from a what it burnt from a loss of that standpoint, but because it tends to clear out the land and remove viable vegetation, you also get the inability of these areas to effectively hold the ground when rains come. And so there was kind of, if you will, an after effect. So you get, think of it almost like an earthquake between the primary and the aftershocks. Later in the year, when the rains did start coming, they had flood issues with these same areas that the sawmills couldn't get supply in and out because roads were damaged and other challenges of just getting to the sawmills because floods, right? And so areas became more unstable. It became harder to get product in and out. And again, a secondary batch of inflation. The primary is easy to see. The secondary you might not have thought about in the same way or thought about, okay, flood, maybe it closed down things. But those same areas became more susceptible to floods than they would have been otherwise. The last one, like I said, was one that I dealt with very personally last year. As many of you know, if you were listening at the time, I did a big trip out to the western U.S., drove out there, and went to a lot of national parks. Was, you know, doing kind of one of those, what I would call, reasonably COVID-safe things, a lot of outdoor time, a lot of places with open air, and really enjoyed it, right? Saw a lot of national parks, national monuments, that sort of thing. Some places I'd never been, a few that I had, but it was just, it was a great experience. But while I was out there, it had been warm before we got there. And for a couple of days I was there, it was particularly hot. Now it did cool off, but we had forest fires. We were dealing with some of those same fires. But generally speaking, the bigger issue in the immediate vicinity was impact on crops. Again, no shock to anybody. Hotter than normal temperatures, drier than normal behavior. Crops are going to be impacted. Certainly, it's going to change the price structure related to that. Very easy to imagine. But what I hadn't thought about, and it didn't even hit me at the time, so I was driving, so I'm in states that are bordering Canada. Now, I wasn't all the way up by Canada, but I was in North Dakota driving into Montana. And I was trying to get from one national park, Theodore Roosevelt National Park, to a very famous national monument called Devil's Tower. And if you've ever seen the old movie Close Encounters, it's the famous, iconic thing in that movie. It's this, you know, I don't know the best way to describe it. It's just this big mass of earth, if you will, that sort of shoots up out of the ground. 
And in going there, in the roads I was taking, at some point they said, oh, get off the interstate. You're, the fastest way to get there is going to be not go interstate, interstate. But we were kind of in a time crunch, so I was trying to get there in a hurry. Just driving some back roads. So it's going to be driving more or less like gravel roads in, in farmland. I'm fine with that. I had the right car for it. Got off. And there was this great scene and, and, and you know where you had kind of, maybe I'll use it as cover art. There was certain color on one side of the car and other because they had just harvested crops. Now, they may have done some of this because of what they were dealing with. But they... We get out of the car, and even before I got out of the car, I noticed that there were lots of grasshoppers just banging into the car and that stuff. And I literally opened the door, and they're jumping into the car. Later, when I got to the gas station, I mean, they they were everywhere. They were in the lights. They were in the air filter. I mean, they literally were everywhere. And what I came to find out is there was had been, because of the dryness, and I'm going to put an article so if you find this topic, get interested, you can read a little more. Long story short, that same hot weather, that same dry weather that's horrible for the crops is great for grasshoppers. But then the grasshoppers want to eat, and they were eating all these same crops. So again, you get the secondary impulse of, we've already got a problem because of the weather, but because the weather triggered this secondary event, it makes the pricing and the inflation even worse. I don't know. That stuff to me, you know, we don't think about that a lot, but it is yet another reminder, right, that the weather is can be a starting point for a trigger process, okay? And it's not just unique to weather, but these were a few examples of how weather is influencing inflation and all the inflation we're going through in ways that you may not have realized. So just remember, right, when you have to take out a second mortgage to buy a new, I don't know, plastic poncho to wear in the rainstorm, just remember, there's much more to weather than the weather itself.